get right into our scripture. In three passages today as we begin a series called Much More to Say. And so we're going to begin with a proverb, and then we're going to read from one of Paul's letters to the church in Rome, and then we're going to hear from the gospel of John. And so Proverb 8, 1 through 4, 22 through 31 reads, Doesn't wisdom cry out and understanding shout? Atop the heights along the path at the crossroads, she takes her stand. By the gate before the city, at the entrances, she shouts. I cry out to you people. My voice goes out to all of humanity. The Lord created me at the beginning of his way before his deeds long in the past. I was formed in ancient times at the beginning before the earth was. When there was no watery depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs flowing with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before God made the earth and the fields or the first of the dry land, I was there when he established the heavens, when he marked out the horizon on the deep sea, when he thickened the clouds above, when he secured the fountains of the deep, when he set a limit for the sea so the water couldn't go beyond his command, when he marked out the earth's foundations, I was beside him as a master of crafts. I was having fun, smiling before him all the time, frolicking with his inhabited earth and delighting in the human race. I like that one. Now from Romans 5, 1 through 5. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness, And we have peace with our God through Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through him. And we boast in the hope of God's glory. But not only that, we even take pride in our problems. Because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. This hope doesn't put us to shame. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And Jesus tells the disciple in John 16, 12 through 15, 16, excuse me, I have much more to say to you, but you can't handle it now. However, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He won't speak on his own, but will say whatever he hears and will proclaim to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and proclaim it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. That's why I said that the Spirit takes what is mine and and will proclaim it to you. Soon you won't be able to see me. Soon after that, you will see me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you for the words of those who have gone before us, the wisdom that comes from the voices of the past, through the ink on the page, through the spirit that works in our hearts as we commune together. Speak to us. We want to know what you have to say to us. So speak. Speak through me in spite of me and help us to hear you in spite of ourselves. And may all that is said and heard be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, because, Lord, you 
and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So, I'm going to work through all this scripture. Some of it must make, seem kind of weird paired together. Um, when I was nine years old, uh, I had an argument with my dad. And while we were arguing, I said, is it, do you have the picture? I've got a, I'm trying to embarrass myself. There we go. There we go. Look at that guy. Yeah. He's better looking than that. When I was nine, I had an argument with my dad, and I remember turning to him and saying, when I have kids, I'm going to let them do whatever they want. And he looked at me, and he said, go for it. When I was 19 years old, I think a lot of my mentality was, I know what I'm doing. I don't really need much. Yeah, you like that? That was natural. It was the sun that did that. Yeah. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. I don't really need much. At 29 years old, beginning school at the University of Indianapolis, taking some religion courses, my attitude was, there is so much more to know. I had no idea. And then at 35, a few years later, uh, my attitude was, I want to taste, just a taste, if even, of how much there is in this world that I've been missing. And I intentionally sought out a seminary where I was the minority for a number of reasons, a number of ways, to just experience what that's like. And now at 39, my attitude is, do I really even know anything? Do you ever feel like that? Yeah. The more answers we claim to know, this is kind of the paradox, the more answers we claim to know, the less people regard us as wise. And the less we claim to know, the more wise we are counted to be. And that's really frustrating sometimes, <laughs> if we're honest. Wisdom. Wisdom is this wonderful, this wonderful gift to us. Now, on Mother's Day, I told the story of a father and sons, and I told you that I would make up for that on Father's Day. So wisdom in the Old Testament is she. I think they're onto something there. Amen? Sisters? Yeah. The word for spirit in the Old Testament is feminine. Now, in the New Testament, it's, it's actually, it's not male or female, it's a neuter. It's what they call it. It's, it's neither. But here in John, it's referred to as he. So we have, we have the wisdom and we have the spirit kind of, well, we're not going to get caught up on that, right? We're just going to hang on to the word wisdom. Now, some ancient thinkers consider the very opening of Genesis 1 as the mark of this wisdom proclaimed in Proverbs. Day one, what did God create? God said, let there be light. Now, what makes light? Sun and moon and stars. But they weren't created until day four. So what is this light on day one? Well, ancient thinkers think this is wisdom. Another way to think of it is it's kind of, it's, a, it's, it's awareness. You're suddenly aware of something you weren't before, or awakenedness. if I'm going to make up a word, or that moment when you, when you realize something and that aha light bulb pops on, that if you can just take that and understand this as awareness, as wisdom, as light. Now there's awareness and there's lack of awareness. The wisdom of God is seen all around us through all of creation. We can look at every animal and plant, and they all know what to do, don't they? 
kind of amazing when we study it, kind of scary when we study it. Humans, we know what to do, but we struggle to do it because we have trouble sometimes moving beyond what we want to do. Anybody with me? Just me? Got a few. Okay. Good. I'm in good company. Wisdom cries out to you, the proverb says. My voice goes out to all humanity. Jesus tells the disciples on his last night, I have much more to say to you, but you can't handle it now. However, when the spirit of truth comes, it will guide you in all truth. The setting for this saying that Jesus is offering to the disciples is before his death. Judas has left. The ball is rolling on the days to come. Jesus is giving some instructions to his followers. And he says at the end of the passage I read today, soon you won't be able to see me, but soon after that you will see me. And I imagine the disciples going, what? They had no idea what was coming. The disciples are on one side of this chain of events that's going to change the world. It's going to change their world. It's going to change our world. They're on the precipice of three most terrifying, unbelievable, life-altering days in human history, and they have no idea it's coming. Jesus is basically saying, stay true to the love which I've called you into and trust that everything that's happening is for a purpose, which is really easy to hear, but when it comes time to remember it, I'm not sure that they did in the next few days. They abandoned, they left, they wielded swords, they denied. Wisdom did come, though, on the other side of the grave. After resurrection in John, on resurrection day, Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit into the disciples and they begin to understand. The death, resurrection, and ascension was not the end of the story, as they thought before they encountered the empty tomb. In fact, it was now only the beginning of the story and the beginning of a new creation with a new wisdom in the Holy Spirit. Part of the way John communicates this is, do you know where the tomb was? A little detail about the tomb in John. They laid him in a tomb in a garden. Not just a little detail to fill in a gap. And then Jesus emerges from this garden tomb and a new creation begins and the spirit and wisdom comes all over again. Cold chills. Okay. Through the trouble of Jesus' final days come the greatest hope of all. The trouble they endured, the disciples had something to teach them. Almost all of our gospel is about the death. The biggest portion of each gospel is about the passion and the death. Isn't it very true that it's those days that tend to teach us the most in our own lives? Have your easiest or best or most relaxing days, your most rewarding days, have they ever taught you grand lessons? Or was it the hard days, the scary days, the days that shook the very foundation of who you thought you were, who you thought someone else was, who you thought God was, what you thought this was really all about? Paul tells the church in Rome, who's going through these days, One of the Caesars had just died. A new one was there. The the Jews were coming back after they'd been expelled from Rome and the Gentiles were receiving the Jews after years of not having the Jews with them and the church looked different than when the Jews had been with them and now they're wondering, what do we do with this new thing that's happened versus these old things that are coming back in and can we get along? Can we we bridge tradition and and the new thing God's doing? And, 
in the midst of wondering if we're going to go through another, another bit of persecution. Tumultuous days. Paul says to them, we have peace with God through Jesus. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through him, and we boast in the hope of God's glory. And then he says this, but not only that, we even take pride in our problems. When's the last time you took pride in your problems? We do, because we know that our trouble produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. We are a strange people, aren't we? On our best days, on our best days, we acknowledge how much we don't know and how much more God has to provide us through Lady Wisdom, through the Holy Spirit, on our best days. Let me reiterate that. I don't always live my best days. In the midst of the darkest valleys of the shadows of death, we proclaim comfort and hope. In the midst of death and the end of a season of life, we proclaim life and resurrection. We are strange. We may have been so used to this in our church life that we don't realize how strange we sound to people who've never heard it. We may not remember these truths even ourselves when we're in the midst of storms. Now, as much as we get tossed about in the storms we're experiencing today, we can look back at past storms and realize all that we've learned and all the ways that it has brought about a hope in us that actually carries us through what we're experiencing now. It was those days that taught us, and maybe because that's how it works. We're here to suffer so we can learn, and some people approach it that way. Some approach it as, well, it's not so much that we're here to suffer, it's just that suffering is usually what shakes us loose from our feeling that we got it all together, and we actually acknowledge the truth of things, and we actually reach out for help because we can't depend on ourselves. Or maybe it's just that these tumultuous days are the cruel reminders of how much God has yet to say. And God has a lot to say to this world, amen? We live in a beautiful world where beautiful things happen all the time. Life has never been so good on planet Earth as they are now. That is a fact, and I can give you lots of numbers to support that. It's not what's always preached, but that is a fact. But we do live in a chaotic world where people do horrifying things to one another every day. In the midst of this complicated reality, there are lots of voices ready to tell you how to engage your world. Talking heads, politicians, even overconfident preachers. People who proclaim to know all the answers. Perhaps it's good for us to remember that wisdom lies beyond the answers. Wisdom is crying out to all humanity in the gates. Now, in the city gates, that's how you enter or exit the city. Entering into a new place, exiting from an old place. That's where wisdom's crying out, it says. The doorways into new seasons, into new adventures in life. Some painful, some joyful. We do not need to think we have all the answers. Because, friends, we don't. Amen. But we know who does. Amen. Yes. And as a strange group of people, we, followers of Jesus Christ... We strive to lay down our lives. That's weird. You can laugh at that. That's weird. This is what we claim to want to do. We, we, we try to lay down our simple answers and our, our black and white thinking, our dualistic thinking, our childish ways that served us well at one point, but now, hopefully, we're ready to hear the voice of wisdom. And that may mean we actually have to listen 
the voice of wisdom. For the Holy Spirit, always pouring love into our hearts, as Paul says, that we may actually come to understand that our purpose is never to be right. Our purpose is to grow, to change, to become something new, to become something more, into the people we were created to be, to embody, to be in flesh and blood, faith, hope, and love. And when we quiet our minds, our souls, our hearts, we can receive wisdom. And I love the picture of Elijah, which we're going to talk about another week, but it's coming up. Elijah goes onto the mountain to be with God, and all these great and powerful moments happen. Fire and earthquakes and the roaring wind. Was God in any of these ultra-powerful, godly things? Where was God? You answered it. It was in silence. That's right. The still, small voice. And when we begin to hear this voice, when we truly acknowledge the mystery of wisdom, we find a presence that is eternal, a hope that can endure all things, the kind of hope that can stand firm in the storms of life, and the kind of hope that not only sustains us, but sustains those around us through us. And that's a miracle. In Proverbs, Lady Wisdom is referred to as a tree of life many times. We know this term. And the Garden of Eden was a tree of life. Well, this is wisdom. According to the proverb writer, the image of the tree, if we think about this image, let's develop it a bit. Because tree of life sounds good. What all does that imply? Okay, if the tree is producing life, fruit, that means that tree has been planted for a while, right? How many years, any tree experts, how long does it take a tree to be planted till it's big enough to start producing fruit and life on its own? Years. Years. It's experienced many seasons, the dormancy of fall and winter, the bursting forth of spring and summer. It's received plenty of sustenance from things around it. It didn't draw its own power from itself. It drew nutrients from the ground. It received the rain from the skies, the sun, from well beyond. And after reaching an age of maturity, it's ready to fulfill its purpose. To create more trees. To bear fruit. To provide to the life around it. Wisdom can bring us into this kind of life. Jesus is the incarnation of the word of God, the wisdom, the logic of God in flesh. And Jesus came to experience our world in all of its seasons to offer us life and truth. And no matter how old or young we are, there's much more Jesus has to say. Will we listen? We know all too well that the volume of distraction in our world and on both loud and breadth, it's big. The volume is big of distraction. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course you do. We all know too well. We know too well that the seasons of life where we feel we need to know the answers or when we actually think we do. Can we confess three things? And just raise your hand if you're willing to confess. Sometimes we think we know who is to blame. Sometimes we think we know what everyone else needs to do with their lives. Sometimes we just know better. When we're feeling overwhelmed in the midst of the storms of life, perhaps our best thing to do is to take the leap of faith and just be still and know that God is God. I wonder how much of our quest for certainty 
hinders the Spirit's invitation to receive actual wisdom. Let's talk about pain. Pain's a teacher. Some of you are in pain right now. Pain can come in many forms. Actual physical pain. Stress about how difficult life has been and how difficult you know it's going to continue to be for a while. Maybe your pain is worry about tomorrow, about your children, your grandchildren, about their choices. Maybe you worry about your choices. Maybe you're so worried about choices you already made and you're carrying the pain of regret. Maybe you have the the pain and the weight of depression and no one here knows it. The paralyzing pain that comes with a lack of hope. Maybe your pain is the exhaustion of fighting your addiction yet again, knowing today it still has a hold on you. Maybe your pain is devastation from the judgment others heap upon you without ever taking the time to actually consider what you have to say. Or maybe your pain comes from you knowing you've done that to someone else. Maybe the pain is a deep loss of what was and will never be again. Or being reminded every day who you miss. There is good news in the midst of our pain. You are here. You are here. You made it to today. You made it into this room with these people. You are enduring. If you don't know it, you are enduring. And that is not a small thing. That is a miracle. And maybe you're enduring pain. You don't realize it, but you are gaining character. And maybe that doesn't mean anything to you today. And that's okay. One day, maybe tomorrow, maybe 10 years from now, someone will be going through what you're going through. And they're going to feel the loneliness of what it is to go through that and look at people's eyes and know they have no idea what you're going through. But you will be able to put a hand on their shoulder and say, I know the pain. And you are not alone. And that is enough. Amen? That can sometimes be enough. In that moment, you will be a tree of life for someone else. The hope which you gained through your faith and pain will become the fruit for others, the sustenance. They will be nourished through you and your ability to simply connect with their pain. And that connection of love and compassion, it will impact lives far more than any answer ever could. Jesus Christ came to stand among us to say, I know your pain. I know your temptation. I know disappointment. I know what it is to bleed. I know what it is to die. And I'm with you. And if you follow me, I'll lead you through all that. I'm not going to lead you around it because that's not the way it works. I will lead you through it. And on the other side, you will find life. Jesus Christ assures us that we will continue to grow and to learn like a good tree does, so that we can bear fruit and make other trees because that's what our calling is all about. Jesus Christ reminds us that, that there is much more for us to hear, and maybe we just can't handle it at the moment. How wonderful it is to grow. Amen? The Holy Spirit reveals to us the new creation that began in a garden tomb 
and the wisdom that is breathed into us all when we live a life in Jesus, that our troubles and suffering can actually become a source of sustenance for others. Because we know, us strange people, that there is joy beyond the sorrow, that there is life beyond death, and that there is resurrection beyond that grave. Amen? So may you, my friends, find comfort in the seasons of life, both joy and sorrow. May you hold on to the hope of God in the most difficult days, and may you quiet yourself and hear the wisdom of God. May you trust in Jesus and receive from the Holy Spirit what is yet to be revealed. And may you take all that is given to you, both joyful and difficult, and become a tree of life for others. And may you do all this, not for your glory, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you are with us, that you will meet us even in the deepest, darkest depth of our days, those moments when we feel like we are so far from your grace, we can't even pray to you. You're already there. You want to walk with us and comfort us and lead us to still waters. I thank you that we have Jesus Christ who has done that for each of us, who has done that for the entire world, and who leads us to actually be able to do it for others ourselves through the wisdom of your Holy Spirit ever flowing through us. Lord, take us into this world of hurt, of hopelessness, and help us bring the life that is so desperately needed. And let us do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. Mm -hmm.